I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. From Decrypt.co, my name is Matthew Aaron. Today on the show, Bitcoin trader is fleeing investors with a $13 million bill. Travala partners with Expedia, now offering over 700,000 hotels. And in our main story, COVID is forcing everybody to go digital with their payments. Coming up on the Decrypt Daily. What's up, everybody? Happy Monday. Fourth of July has come and gone. And let me tell you, I had a great time. I was at my brother's house. We had wood-fired pizza. I brought some zucchini from my garden. We put that on the pie. He made other pies. There's this one pie called the Southwestern, which I learned how to make in Hawaii. It's a cilantro pesto base with barbecue chicken, goat cheese, red onions, it's the best. It is just literally the best. Cafe Pesto, Hilo, Hawaii. Lived there for five years. Check out that restaurant. But my only gripe with the 4th of July was the 5th of July. Turning on the news and then seeing all the headlines was, oh, the air pollution for one night. I don't like the air pollution. Or my dogs, they didn't like the noise. It's like, come on, guys. It's one night a year, the 4th of July, an American tradition. Lay off fireworks, please. Let's not ruin this. I do understand that there's people with underlying conditions, asthma, or what have you. I understand that. But I, let's, let's keep it in perspective. We cannot ban fireworks. My drive home on the 4th of July night was beautiful. Going through the suburbs, seeing all the sky lit up by different fireworks, plus a full moon. It was extremely special. I loved it. The only thing I loved more than that was looking at our Bitcoin prices today. <laughs> And the crypto market is green across the board. I'm recording this July 6th, Monday at 1 p.m. Bitcoin's at 9291, up 2.2% since the last time I recorded. Since the last time I reported on Friday, Ethereum at 238.07, up 5% since Friday. Litecoin at 4359, up 5.4%. Bitcoin Cash at 238, up 7.25%. And XRP, 18.6 cents, up 5.5%. Send me an email, MatthewAaron at decryptmedia.com. Tell me what's prettier, the colors of the fireworks or the color green across the crypto prices. COVID-19 impacted just about everything in our daily life. From the way we hang out with our friends, going out, our social interactions, social distancing, wearing masks, and even sanitation. <laughs> we were washing our hands 20 seconds, just about 40 times a day, and sanitizing everything in sight from door handles, door knobs, and even our groceries. But one thing you might not have thought of, it also changed our payments. We have went from using cash to more and more digital payments. And here to talk about it is managing editor of Decrypt, Mr. Stephen Graves. Stephen, how you doing, man? I'm very well, thanks. How are you? Excellent, sir. Excellent. COVID has forced us to reimagine how we take payments. Before I want to get into cash coming out of things we do in our day-to-day life as we're going more and more digital, I want to do two things. And this might sound really one-on-one to everybody listening and for you, but can you do one thing for me? Tell me how people use cash and how people use digital currencies to make a transaction right now. 
Well, I mean, um, in terms of how people use cash, um, it's physical money. It's, it's entirely used in physical transactions. And of course, physical transactions kind of dried up during the coronavirus pandemic. The, the, the number of people going in physical shops has declined massively. The number of people using the cash economy of ATMs and banks has dropped. People are switching to, uh, for example, debit cards, contactless debit cards. Um, they're using smartphone payments. Uh, they're using you know, online payment services like PayPal to buy products online rather than going into physical shops. It seems as though there's a lot of benefits to going digital. I mean, not only in COVID do you not have the touching the cash plus being face to face with your the vendors, it's probably about a lot of cost cutting for the government. They don't have to print or mint coins or fiat currency, correct? Yeah, absolutely. So um, as, as we mentioned in the article, it's uh, it's hugely expensive to run the infrastructure that supports a cash economy. It's uh, in the UK, it's something like uh, five billion pounds, which is about six billion dollars. And that's five billion pounds per year, correct? Yeah, that's right. Um, because you've got to maintain, um, well, you've firstly got to print the money or mint the money. Um, banks have to maintain branches and ATM facilities. They have to maintain the infrastructure, such as uh, the transport infrastructure, to actually get the physical money from place to place. For if the demand for cash declines, then it starts to become unsustainable. So banks are starting to close branches and they're starting to close ATM facilities, which is sort of exacerbating. It's creating a vicious cycle that means that cash is even more inaccessible, which means and so on and so forth. I would assume that there is a couple of drawbacks to going cashless. I, I would assume that the more places that do not take cash kind of excludes a couple of people out of making transactions. And I would assume maybe homeless or people without the technology to support this cashless systems. Am I correct in assuming this? You're absolutely right. Yeah. So um, obviously, as you said, the homeless um, find it difficult to operate outside of a uh, cash economy. But there's also people who... Um, don't have cards or bank accounts uh, the unbanked so apparently in washington dc a third of residents rely on cash because they don't have a card or a bank account they they may lack the legal immigration status to open a bank account because you need to bring id and, and so on and so forth so that um excludes a huge chunk of the population there's also of course um people who may not uh, understand the ins and outs of digital technology, um, so the elderly population, for example. This seems as though it's kind of what Bitcoin is striving for, or cryptocurrency. They're striving for this digital economy. Not only are there cryptocurrencies dedicated to banking the unbanked, um, but that this is what we want, is we want to shift fiat currency, which is basically not backed by anything, uh, which we, we can go into a whole philosophical discussion about that, to... Uh, digital payments. Isn't this kind of like what the cryptocurrency space would want to see happen in terms of, say, technological ad adoption? It is, but there are several challenges that need to be overcome first before they can do that. Chief among them is basically that any sort of digital currency that's aiming to replace cash has to exactly replicate the properties of cash. And by that, I mean things like uh, privacy and portability. Whoa, whoa, let's just stop there for a second. Privacy. Why is privacy such a big deal? At first glance, a lot of people could say, I don't care if you know what I bought at the grocery store. Why is a cucumber important? Well, that's not the really big issue here. Well, first of all, let's look at just buying that cucumber. If you buy cucumbers and you buy cucumbers once a week, I mean, that data can be mined and then you can get targeted for ads for cucumbers or cucumber-like products. We already see that on social media. You buy something, you mention something, you type something in the search bar, and it gets popped up in your social media feeds or on your ads. 
It's annoying, but we're used to that. The second one is once they know your buying habits, they can not only recommend things that maybe you don't even need, but also remind you to buy these things. It is very annoying. And I think a little bit of infringing on my personal space. Like, how do you know I need cucumbers now? Because I always buy them on Friday. Again, minor, but an annoyance. When privacy really becomes an issue, it's when you're buying those things that you don't want people to know about for many different reasons. Now, I know the first thing that comes to your head is sex toys. <laughs> that could be annoying if people found out what kind of thing you're into. But what about if it's medication? Do you want people to know that you're taking a certain medication for a certain illness, heart disease, liver disease, or what have you? What if your job finds out? What if your friends or family find out? How will people look at you a different way? Now let's take this a step further. What if you're purchasing things that create a pattern that you might not even see, but AI or machine learning can see? Maybe pre-onset of some sort of cancers or diseases, heart disease, liver disease, kidney disease, and your insurance company knows this before you do, raises your rates or gives you higher co-pays. What if your car insurance company knows this and thinks you're a higher risk? What if your life insurance knows this? Our digital footprint is gold. It's called digital gold. It's the most valuable commodity on the planet right now. It is your data. And the more data we give people, we give these companies, the more they're going to get to know about you, your lifestyle, and well, they can exploit that to make money or discriminate. And you might not even know it. If they have the data in their hand and figure out what it all means, that could be not in your favor. So privacy is a very, very big thing, especially when it comes to how you use your money. And yeah, keep that in mind every time you pay for something digitally. Let's go back to Stephen. There was a US uh, House committee hearing last month um, in which it was pointed out that some of the features uh, that make the US dollar the world's reserve currency are features like privacy and portability. And they're things that cryptocurrencies don't necessarily have at the moment. Um, you know, Bitcoin, for example, is extraordinarily traceable. Um, the transactions on that can, can very easily be traced. And I think that's going to be one of the roadblocks to, uh, to, digital, to, to, to full digital cash adoption. So I'm going to turn on my conspiracy theory hat right now for, for just one second. And bear with me. I got the tinfoil out and I rolled it up while you were making your last statement. Do you think that the governments are pushing for digital payments more so than cash because of those properties that cash doesn't have? I don't think that's necessarily true because there was a, uh, there was a House Committee on Financial Services hearing last month. And uh, during that hearing, Chris Giancarlo pointed out that some of the features of cash, so privacy and portability, are precisely the features that make the US dollar the world's reserve currency. So if you were to create a completely traceable form of digital cash in the sort of bigger picture, yes, it would be very, very useful for, for example, law enforcement agencies to be able to trace every transaction. But those features are precisely why people wouldn't use it. Very good point. Very good point. When was the last time you used cash? Uh, when was the last time I used cash? Gosh, I've, I've had a five pound note sitting in my wallet since the start of the uh, <laughs> coronavirus pandemic, and I haven't been able to use it yet. So uh, probably about three or four months. There you go. We're going cashless, everyone. Thank you, Stephen, for coming on. Thanks very much. In other news, CEO of Vault Age Solutions, Willie Breed, an alleged Bitcoin scammer, was declared bankrupt after failing to pay $13.3 million to his investors. Investigators tracked Breed to a guest house where he's been staying under a false name. 
he was served with a court order and two of his South African bank accounts were frozen. However, he was not arrested. Investors accused Breed of not getting paid the returns they were owed. In one example, an investor claimed that he was supposed to get a return of over $8,300, but only got $83. We'll continue to follow this story and let you know as it unfolds. And this just in, Kraken subsidiary brings regulated Bitcoin futures trading to Europe. Kraken is the biggest cryptocurrency exchange in Europe, having 30 plus digital currencies and seven fiat currencies. And the exchange has around 4 million global users. Now this makes Kraken the only game in town, the only licensed derivative marketplace in Europe that offers leveraged cryptocurrency trading. So now you can long and short Bitcoin with the rest of crypto Twitter. And finally, on tomorrow's show, we have the CMO of Travala to tell us about their amazing news of partnering with Expedia.com. This is going to open up their market for them so that over 700,000 hotels can accept cryptocurrency for nightly stays. This is a huge step on the way to mass adoption. And that's the news for today. Thank you very much for listening. My name is Matthew Aaron. You can reach me at Matthew Aaron SHO on Twitter. Don't forget to subscribe to Decrypt's Twitter, Decrypt Media. And you can send me an email, Matthew Aaron at decryptmedia.com. Wherever you're listening to this, make sure to subscribe. Leave us a five-star rating and a comment. And don't forget to share. If you want people to get involved with Bitcoin, cryptocurrency, what's the best way to do it? Is to hear the news about it every day so you can learn about what's happening in the space, the markets, and the technology. We'll see you tomorrow. Mask up and stay safe.